Hey, Nora. Hi. I'm really excited about episode five of the podcast. Where are we going to be talking about today? I mean, they've all been pretty exciting so far. It's true. It's true. Um, But this episode of Future Facing Farms is a little bit different. Today, we're taking a break from vegetables, livestock, corn, and beans, and we're going to talk about growing tree seedlings. Oh, cool. We talked a little bit about seedlings back in episode one. How do seedling farms fit into Minnesota's conservation efforts and the environmental stewardship? Well, they they do fit in, for sure. It's a big piece of it. We're featuring an assisted migration project in this episode that's aiming to help trees adapt to higher temperatures. Huh. So what is assisted migration? It's an effort to help species adapt to climate change. In this case, it involves planting seeds from a lower latitude, a location with a warmer history, and then moving them further north to a place that has been warmed already by climate change. So they're kind of they're trying to help grow trees up here that can survive warmer temperatures. Right. And you know, it's because climate change has is already happening. The northern parts of Minnesota have been have warmed already, uh, between one and three degrees, depending on the part of the state. Okay, so they're finding species of trees that are used to those kinds of temperatures. Yes. Um, This project was spurred by the University of Minnesota Duluth and the Nature Conservancy with help from a number of partners. You can check out sttimes.com for a full story about it and for photos and videos about the project. There are 15 farms raising seedlings that will be planted in the spring to increase the number of trees in the state and hopefully help our forests adapt to warmer temperatures and also increase the number of trees that are working to sequester carbon. So today we're talking about the boreal forests in the northeastern part of Minnesota, up uh, north of Lake Superior. Right, yep. Those cold weather forests are known for conifers and animals like moose. Well, moose populations in northern Minnesota are already having a tough time up there, right? Yeah, their numbers have stabilized, but there are issues with ticks. You know, their, their habitat is changing up there, and they kind of require a specific type of habitat. Man. It's a bummer. Yeah, it is. We try to be upbeat here, especially when we talk about practices that reduce the effects of climate change or help species adapt to climate change. But really, at the core of the podcast is a hard truth that climate change is making the planet less habitable for us and for our animal and plant friends. But the farmers that we're featuring in this episode, episode five, are they're kind of like a ray of sunshine. Yeah, what are they doing to help? Who are they? Cree and Jason Bradley keep a farm near Two Harbors, Minnesota. That's kind of a touristy spot that folks uh, familiar with Minnesota might be familiar with. It's northeast of Duluth. It's on the north shore of Lake Superior. And I visited them in July when it was warmer than the rest of the year. They have three acres of vegetables and they tap 2,500 trees for maple syrup. Jason is a commercial fisherman on Lake Superior. They sell vegetable plants in the spring. They're really diversified that way. And when I was there, their greenhouse was full of tiny little tree seedlings. They call it Chelsea Morning Farm after the Joni Mitchell song. Oh, and I so haven't heard it. You've never heard the Joni Mitchell song, sure. Chelsea Morning? I have not. Well, I think because of copyright, I can't play it for you, and I'm not going to try to sing it because (laughs) it gets a little up there in the higher register. But here's Cree explaining why they call it Chelsea Morning Farm. It is when Jason found this piece of land, 
and said Cree because I'm such a Western girl and and uh, and Minnesota was a little hard for me and he said he said Cree is like you're gonna love this piece of land it's open and south facing and it's got this sun and we came and walked out here and um, I got Chelsea morning in my head right away and I started like singing that and, you know it has nothing to do with land or farming but there's this like thing about sunshine in that song and I um it just was like in my head and and it became Chelsea Morning Farm. And Jason said initially, he was like, isn't that a little too feminine? <laughs> and I was just like, well, I'm like, I'm open. If you can think of, if you have a better name, you know. So we, he'd come up with all these names. Like we live on Crow Creek and he's like, Crow Creek Farm. And I said, do you like it as, do you like it more than Chelsea Morning Farm? He's like, nah, not really. And, and we, so we went through this iteration of name options and it stuck with Chelsea Morning Farm. So the, the sunrise on their land had sort of a Joni Mitchell quality to it. Um, when, did they, when did they get involved with forestry from there? Cree describes them as forest people, and they, they had already had a relationship with one of the people who was organizing the farmers. The Assisted Migration Project has a research component at the University of Minnesota Duluth, which folks can read about online at setimes.com. And there will be thousands and thousands of trees planted out in the world, grown from seeds collected um, from trees further south. It's focused on red oak, white pine, and yellow birch. And as for Cree and Jason, the seedlings are a new crop and a potential source of revenue for them. And here's Cree talking about why they got involved. I mean, I think first and foremost, what got us involved as a personal interest. We are just forest people um, through and through, almost, you know, 10 times more than being like farm, farm kids, agricultural in a more traditional sense. Um, we, we have such a deep instilled passion for like our maple syrup work and that's, you know, in, in maple forest, we love our off-farm work, which is forest health with the Plant Protection Division for the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. And so we spend our days you know, hiking and bushwhacking through this Peary National Forest. And um, and so we're just, we've always been forest people and we love to grow things. So you take that combination and the thought of growing trees for a healthy forest is just like, it so matches who we are, like there was an automatic interest in that. So it sounds like Cree and Jason are really passionate about trees, but even then, how do they grow thousands of seedlings at once? They have these little plastic tubes lined up in their greenhouse, at least in July when I was there, and that's where the seeds take root and then they sprout, um, but they have to germinate them first. Here's a clip of Jason explaining part of that process. You know, again, to stratify, and the stratification is just—it's trying to—it's going to replicate. It's kind of replicate in a way the natural environment where you have tree seeds that are frozen, then they thaw, then they're saturated, and then the temperatures get right and they germinate. So, uh, like the white pine in particular, the oak seed was pretty simple. It soak them for 48 hours, and then it sprout them. Um, but the white pine seed and the yellow birch—it was a process of soaking the seed and then also keeping the seed for 30 days in the fridge, you know, at a constant temperature um, and then letting them, that stratification. So this, the germination rate increases dramatically when you go through that process 
as opposed to just planting them right away. They might some might still germinate, but it's supposed to yeah. increase that germination rate. Did you have them in your fridge in the house? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had yeah we had twenty seven thousand birch seed and like twelve thousand white pine, and then the the oaks took up all the space. I mean the oaks were um, seven thousand oaks. Bigger seed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the white pine is kind of neat because you soak the seed and they float at first but then as they become more viable they sink so the seeds that sink you're more confident they're going to be viable so most of probably 95 percent sunk so that, that was a good sign so uh, but we wanted to get the white pine and yellow birch started before this planting of all this but then it could just got out of control like always and we just so we really just started planting the the yeah the, the white pine and yellow birch basically this one june basically a little mm -hmm. later after we got all of our farm and our greenhouse and our plant sale and all that stuff got over with so yeah. we wish we could have tackled it earlier that's a that's a lot of work it's more than just planting a seed in the tube and letting it go oh yeah it's definitely a lot of work and a lot of investment too i pulled one last insight from jason and cree and this project that they're working on um, it, it's interesting because there's this research that's being collected by umd on how trees are doing it at a higher latitude and there's this massive planting effort to increase this, the stock of trees in the state and help sequester carbon and maintain the forest landscape in northeastern Minnesota. Plus, there's this economic component in which small farmers learn to grow seedlings to help meet a growing need for them in the state. So here's Cree talking about what it took for them to kind of get going and, and what it means to, um, to get involved in the project financially. You know, there, there's a huge investment to do it, but if we can be successful at it, and that's a big question. <laughs> so we had to be willing to like know that we might not succeed at, yeah. and we need we might need to spend this money and uh, be okay if we don't succeed on it. Um, so that's just part of the risk with farming. But if we are successful at it, which we want to be and hope to be, you know, um, that it is an enterprise that we felt like we could generate income from. And with farming, um, our land in particular, um, the vision for our farm is really different than what we had originally started with because our land is so much more challenging with that Antonagan clay than what we originally ever had any notion of. And so we're as diversified as we are because we can't have a you know, a 300-member CSA on this land, it's just not going to, men to mentally or physically or soil health-wise work. And so we, we're really a diversified farm and finding enterprises that kind of meet our holistic goal and who yeah. we are and um, quality of life is a good thing. And uh, this is a way to generate more income. The coordinator, one of the coordinators of the farmers said that the goal this year is for everyone to break even, but it's been a challenging year. You know, we had a drought. Yeah. So some of the farmers that have been involved are not likely to break even. Okay. But this, the idea is for this program to continue even beyond this first year. It's not just a one-time push to plant a bunch of trees. Okay. The idea is that there'll be more buyers going into the future as companies and other organizations want to offset the carbon that they're still emitting by planting trees and supporting forests. So that carbon sequestration component and the carbon markets are gonna keep up the demand for trees 
in Minnesota and also across the United States. There's more demand for seedlings across the U.S. than there are seedlings. Okay, so it's not just a good opportunity for for Korean Jason, but it's helping future reforestation efforts as well, having more seedling production. Right, having more farmers involved in doing that, more okay. sources of seedlings. Seems like it's a win-win. It is. It's kind of like a win-win, win-win when you add all the components of it. You know, there's a research benefit. There's benefit for people who like to recreate in northern Minnesota and want that, want to see that forest around for future generations. I do, and it's a very nice forest. Well, that's a wrap on Chelsea Morning Farm, the feature farm in Episode 5. We're going to wrap up the podcast in Episode 6 with a visit to a Stearns County farm where two cousins have been experimenting with regenerative agriculture for the last four years. I can't wait to hear the episode. Well, thank you for listening to this episode and the rest of the series. Check sctimes.com for photos, videos, stories, and more. And thank you, Eric, for coming on this journey with us. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks again to the MIT Environmental Solutions Journalism Fellowship, which made all this reporting possible. We'll see you all next time. 